Hey friends, Jason Miller here. You're listening to the South Bend City Church Podcast. If you'd like to watch this teaching, just look for South Bend City Church on YouTube or find our Instagram account at SB City Church. Whether you're local and tuning in this way because our gatherings are suspended because of COVID or you're a member of our long-distance digital family, we love you and we hope you're well-served by this teaching. If you'd like to financially support the work, please go to southbendcitychurch.com give. Hey friends, it's a new year and it's a new season. And today we're gonna to talk about a cigar smoking Jesus whose sacred heart burns with love for the world. Uh, we're gonna talk about some pagan astrologers and unauthorized channels for seeking God. We're gonna talk a little bit about our baggage and just for good measure, I got a little bit of a poem from Mary Oliver to throw in. Uh, I'm excited about this. Before I get into it, we have had a week. And it's another week where we don't wanna just sort of skirt past events that are happening in our country. Uh, and yet at the same time, this is one of those weeks where I, I fought really hard to find words that would um, hopefully be faithful and true. And I put the best words I can come up with on my Instagram account. <laughs> and this feels so weird to me, but this is the era that we're living in, right? So if you wanna um, hear my heart on what's happened this week, just go over to Jason Adam Miller on Instagram. And it's the best I had to offer. And I hope that you're praying with me uh, for peace in our world that is desperate for it. That being said, this is the season of Epiphany. And if you're familiar with like the church calendar and these rhythms, that might sound familiar to you. But if you're not, uh, Epiphany in its sort of traditional sense is, a, is about the discovery of the divine life in Jesus and the discovery that through Jesus, God is giving God's self to everyone, not just one tribe or people. So this is a beautiful season, and for some streams in the Christian faith, it's a season that goes from now until the beginning of Lent, and we wanna dance with this season together. This is about the surprise of finding God in Jesus, and it's about that discovery helping us find God in our neighbors and our enemies and even ourselves. And so today I wanna to take us into uh, what is traditionally the, the first story of Epiphany, the thing that gets this whole season going. And you might think of it as a Christmas story, and it is in a sense, but it, it leads us out of Christmas into this richer, fuller encounter with the life of Jesus. And the story I'm talking about, it gets just a couple of verses in the book of Matthew, for example. It's the story of the wise men or the magi who come. So this is Matthew chapter two. And we read that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Now we're talking about surprises and epiphanies and revelations. This should be incredibly surprising to us. Uh, these men, it's safe to assume, are pagan astrologers. By the way, the word Magi is where we get the word magician from. Uh, they might have come from ancient Persia or Babylon, but somewhere far to the east. They've traveled a very long way to look for God in Jesus. And the way that they, that they discovered that they should be on the hunt for Jesus is that they saw something in the stars at night. Now, here's the reason this should be surprising to us, and it has to do with like earlier texts in the story of the Bible. Because the thing is, when you read earlier texts in the story of the Bible, one thing that's really clear is that God says over and over again, I don't do stars. And he tells his people, we don't do stars. Let me give you some examples here. These are uh, from the scriptures and from ancient commentary on the scriptures. So Deuteronomy chapter 17, if a man or a woman living among you in one of the towns the Lord gives you 
is found doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God in violation of his covenant, and contrary to my command has worshiped other gods, watch this, bowing down to them or to the sun or the moon or the stars of the sky. And if this has been brought to your attention, then you must investigate it thoroughly. If it's true, and if it's been proved that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, take the man or woman who's done this evil deed to your city gate and stone that person to death. Now, an ancient commentary on that passage called Deuteronomy Rabbah, it summarizes it like this. The Torah, in other words, the law of God, the way of God, is not in heaven, nor is it with those who occupy their time in studying the heavenly bodies. Or how about this from the prophet Jeremiah, who says, don't learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the sky, though the nations are terrified of them. Or how about from the prophet Isaiah, where the prophet gets sarcastic, and this is God speaking through the prophet. And we hear the prophet saying, keep on then with your magic spells and with your many sorceries. All the counsel you've received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward, those stargazers who make predictions month by month. Let them save you from what is coming upon you. Surely they are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. Those astrologers are like stubble. The fire will burn them up. So over and over and over again in ancient text, the message is really clear. God says, I don't do stars. We don't do stars. If you're looking for me, don't look to the stars. And then right here at some of the central characters in the Christmas story are these men who do stars, who in their searching and seeking find themselves looking into the heavens, up to the sky, and in letting that unauthorized channel of influence lead them straight to Jesus, even while a bunch of the chosen ones milling about Bethlehem 2,000 years ago seemed to have missed what was happening and this baby being born. I think this ought to surprise us, and it's a beautiful, strange, disruptive surprise. It seems that God is more than willing to be found through unauthorized channels. Now, I'm, I'm all for boundaries. I'm all for um, some wise lines that remind us what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. Those, those boundaries can be really good for us. They can keep us growing in a life-giving direction. But I think there's a real danger when we take the wisdom of living our lives within certain boundaries, and then we begin to think that that means that God is bound by our boundaries, and I don't think God is. And this story and a bunch of stories in scripture, especially stories around the life of Jesus, seem to suggest that the, that the movement that's happening with Jesus is, is the kind of movement that we, we can only really be a part of if we're willing to follow God to all the places he's going that we may not be comfortable with. So God is willing to be found through unauthorized channels. And I think in the year 2021, uh, as you and I try to figure out what the story means for us, we, we might ask ourselves, where have we decided there are unauthorized channels for God? What have we ruled out? Or perhaps more importantly, who have we ruled out as we seek God? I wonder if we have ruled out our neighbors, the people that we bump into every day, and perhaps they're inconvenient to us or they're in our way. Maybe they're friends of ours, but perhaps we haven't thought of these living, breathing human lives around us as channels through which God will meet us. And this new year, as we celebrate Epiphany and we try to be awakened again to the surprise of finding God in Jesus, I wonder if the, the best application of that would be to look for God in our neighbors. Perhaps to look for God in the needs of our neighbors, in the hurts of our neighbors, in the cries of our neighbors. Uh, the ways that they're in our way are inconvenient. Maybe we turn toward 
these beloved brothers and sisters around us and ask how, how God might be meeting us in their strange, beautiful, inconvenient lives? Or what about our enemies? This one's a little bit harder, right? But, but Jesus seems convinced that if we're gonna follow him and be fully awake to the life of God in him, then we're gonna have to actually turn toward our neighbors with blessing and love, or sorry, our, our enemies. And then there's one other uh, way that I, I see this over and over again, uh, as a person and as a pastor, I see it in my life and in the lives of the people that I know that so often the channel that we have decided is most unauthorized. Like the place where we are least suspicious that we might find God is our own lives. We, we have this way of ruling ourselves out or ruling parts of our lives out. And uh, as you think about your life and the year ahead of you or the year that you've just lived through, I, I wonder if you could turn to the places in your life that feel the most forsaken or the most broken or the darkest, or the things where you are most ashamed or frustrated. And I wonder what would happen if we began by simply turning toward those places in our own lives and interrogating, inquiring, seeking, listening, praying for how it is that God might be willing to be sought in those places. Uh, this is the first big surprise for me as I look at this story, that God is willing to be found through unauthorized channels. What a, what a beautiful, strange, disruptive surprise. Now, there's, a, there's another surprise here that's important, and I think it's the surprise that the Magi experienced, which is that they see a star in the sky that, that tells them in some strange way that something important is happening, and it leads them to Bethlehem, where they bow down and worship Jesus as if Jesus is King and God. And the surprise, I'm sure, would be that you're on a search for God or King, and you find a frail little baby born in tragically ordinary circumstances. And I just think this is a perennial challenge for us, that we, we keep expecting God to show up in a kind of glory that God seems quite happy to leave behind, to be born in humble, poor circumstance, a vulnerable baby. And I think like if we really wanna take advantage of this revelation, we're gonna let it change the way that we think for God or think of God and expect God. A uh, couple of uh, notes on this big idea that God in fact shows up in a strange and vulnerable way. Uh, the first one is that like to be Christian, I, I wanna be really clear about this. To be Christian is less about saying that Jesus was God and more about saying that God is like Jesus. And the reason I say it's more of that than, than the, the other is that if being Christian just means that we think that Jesus was God, well, the, the danger there is that Jesus isn't allowed to do anything to change our vision of God or anything else. And so we basically just take all of our preconceived notions about God, whatever they are, whether God is um, for us and against other people, or whether God is against us and for other people, or whether God is uh, wrathful at us rather than loving toward us, whatever. You, you take these preconceived notions about God that come from us, come to us from bad teaching or painful experience or, or whatever. And then we just kind of drop those down into Jesus and Jesus becomes the mascot for whatever theology we already had. And I don't think that's the point of Jesus. I think the point of Jesus is to say, God is actually like this. And I'm, I'm so passionate about this lately because I think we, we, we more than ever have to call out ways that people calling their behaviors Christian, when their behaviors don't look like Jesus, it's not Christian. 
I remember having a, a meal with a couple of people a couple of years ago who were really concerned about me and South Bend City Church. And their concern was that we were uh, really wayward in some of our theology and teaching. And we had a long dinner, and it was a good dinner, and it was a generous conversation. But at one point, uh, one of these people said to me, plain as day, looked me in the eye and said, well, I don't think we can get our theology from Jesus. And it was one of those strange moments where something that's plainly true but never gets said got said. And I'm not angry at these people, but I was heartbroken for them and heartbroken for the church and heartbroken for what we have done that a whole bunch of us have perhaps implicitly or subconsciously decided that we can't get our theology from Jesus. When I think that that's like surrendering or forsaking the most beautiful and important thing about being Christian, which is to say that God is like Jesus. So these, these magi, in their search for the divine, find themselves in a stable, bowing in front of a baby. And the invitation for them and for us is to say, well, what if this is actually teaching us something about the nature of God? That their God is vulnerable, that God is making God's self vulnerable for the sake of love, for the sake of giving God's self to the world. Uh, I think we could spend all year letting Jesus reshape our image of God. But a year is a long thing to think about. So how about this? Uh, here's a, an encouragement or a challenge for our community, uh, a practice for us between now and the middle of February. Let's read the Gospels together. Those four biographies in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's read these texts together and just, just let ourselves be wide open to the possibility that God is revealing God's self through this strange, beautiful, frustrating, wonderful life of Jesus. Uh, we've got a reading plan that we're coming out with. If you follow us on our email newsletter or social media channels, you'll see the reading plan coming out. Here's the good news. We can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the next like roughly five, six weeks. It's like 15 minutes a day and we're taking the weekends off. So you can use the weekends to like relax and forget about it or to get caught up or maybe to reflect on what you've read that week. Uh, but uh, uh, your pastor, your friend, like just speaking as Jason, I really want to encourage us. I think this would be a very useful, centering, grounding, instructive practice for us as we set out into the new year. Let's, let's read the gospel stories. So uh, check out the reading plan that's coming out on our digital channels and we're gonna read together. And as we do, you might just ask yourself again and again, if Jesus is revealing something about God, then what would that do for our vision of God and for our vision of reality and for our picture of ourselves and our neighbors and our enemies? Now, by the way, when I, when I think about um, this way of letting Jesus reveal what God is like and the strange collision of divinity and glory in this um, humble, uh, vulnerable, frail package of a baby born. I also think of this gift that I just got from my neighbors. So I have new neighbors and they know I'm a pastor. And uh, the confession is they've seen me outdoors smoking a cigar from time to time. And so they dropped off a Christmas package for me at my door and it was wrapped and I took it inside. And uh, I hadn't opened it yet. And I got this text from the neighbor and I, they were almost nervous about the gift. And they were like, oh, by the way, we hope you have a sense of humor. And at that point, I'm like, man, what gift have they gotten me? And I open it and you guys, I was so moved. I was so unbelievably excited. They gave, they gave me a framed image and it's sort of an irreverent um, satire, perhaps. I don't know, 
on a sacred image, and yet I think it's exactly right. So let me show you the image, and let me tell you why I love it so much. This, um, this is the sacred heart of Jesus. This is um, devotional imagery that has been really important to many, many, many followers of Jesus over the centuries. It's an image of Jesus with his heart burning with love for the world. It's an image that uh, followers of Jesus often meditate on as they pray. But there's a, there's a, little, um, there's a little edit to the image because he's holding a cigar. And, you know, I think they thought it was a fun joke, and I love that it's a fun joke, but I actually love this image. I think there's something perfect about it, something just right. We've got um, Jesus with a throne or with a crown on his head, um, looking all very sort of sacred, right? Uh, problematically white, but whatever. Like, we've got Jesus there and all the traditional garb, and then he's holding a cigar. And it's sort of a collision, right? Do you feel a little conflicted right now? <laughs> I think the way you feel about this might be exactly the way you're, you're supposed to feel about God being born in a baby 2,000 years ago, uh, taking milk from his mother's breast, being um, like all the way down in it with us in our circumstance. Uh, when I smoke a cigar with friends, it's, it's usually like one of the moments when we're being real and vulnerable. Uh, I smoke a cigar with friends and we end up talking about how their marriages are going or what's hard in their work or fears that we are working through, or struggles that we are facing. And we find ourselves sort of sitting in solidarity with one another and just saying, yeah, I get that. Uh, I'm with you in that. I love you as you go through that. And uh, I don't think those sentiments are foreign to God, especially the God that's revealed in Jesus. I think that's exactly the surprising discovery. And so uh, I love that this was maybe given as a bit of a joke but I actually find myself uh, meditating on this image and loving what it does for my prayers and my sense of a God who is actually like Jesus. Now, one other note in the story, and I heard this uh, from a preacher friend, and it was so good I'm just stealing it. These magi, you may, might remember that they bring gifts to Jesus, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And there's a lot of layers of possible meaning in those gifts, but the point that my friend made, and I just, I thought it was really useful. I wanted to share it with you. Was that these men traveled for like hundreds of miles, right? Walking and on the backs of animals, probably. And they arrive and they pull out this baggage that they have been carrying. This added weight that has been a burden for them for hundreds of miles as they journeyed in their pursuit of God. And then they find Jesus there in a manger and they get down on their knees. And, and the baggage that they have been carrying turns out to be a gift for the Holy Family. And I think that might be another surprise waiting for us in this epiphany season. That um, God condescends to meet us in this frail and vulnerable life of Jesus. And that perhaps when we meet God through unauthorized channels, and when we find that God is in fact like Jesus, we might also discover that some of the baggage that we have been carrying over the long and difficult journey of our lives could become a gift for the family. Uh, in the same way that perhaps you look at the dark corners of your life, the things you're ashamed of, the frustration points, and have a hard time imagining that God is meeting you there, perhaps we look at uh, the bags that we are carrying and all we imagine is that we hope to unload it and be done with it rather than realizing that it might be transformed into something that we give to the world. Now, if you think through um, people whose lives you admire, work that matters in the world, gifts that have been given to the world that have made a difference, 
Uh, maybe you know some of those stories in your personal life or in the world at large, or maybe you've had one of those stories that you were a part of. Isn't it the truth? Just like think through those examples for a moment. Isn't it true that so often the best gifts that are given are the ones that come from the baggage that we have been carrying that gets transformed in an act of love for the world? Uh, perhaps the surprise waiting for you, this epiphany this year, 2021, is that some of the painful, difficult things that you have been carrying are waiting to be offered as a gift. And I, I, don't, I don't know how to like prescribe the details of that for you, but I suspect that that little provocation might turn us uh, into a different relationship with some of what we've been carrying. And that we could spend uh, a season of our life wondering, asking, dreaming, imagining how that baggage might be translated into a gift. Now, um, there's a, a, a poem by Mary Oliver that has been helping me think about this epiphany season. And I wanted to end with it. It's just three simple phrases, but I think it sums all of this stuff up. She says, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. I love that. These magi, they were paying attention. Sure, it was unauthorized channels, but they were paying attention. They had the audacity to believe that in their world and the things happening around them, there were little glimpses and winks of the divine just waiting to be noticed. And so, like I said, they make the journey and they find themselves there with the divine life of God in Jesus. When a bunch of other people are milling about Bethlehem, apparently having no idea that they are adjacent to the life of God, these men were paying attention. This year, may we pay attention. And may we be astonished. May our hearts be open enough that wonder can still break in. May we um, allow some of that cynicism to slide off our backs, to believe that in spite of so many things, so many painful things that have brought us down in the past year, that there are opportunities to be astonished with the surprising presence of God. Because if God can make God's self known in a baby in a stable 2,000 years ago, then surely our circumstances are no hindrance for God to arrive and wake us up. And then as that happens, may we be uh, generous enough and brave enough to share it, to tell about it, to take the things that God is fashioning into gifts and to give them to the world. It's epiphany season, friends, and we are invited to be surprised and delighted with the divine life of Jesus, with the generosity of God, and with the surprise of finding God, not just in Jesus, but our neighbors, our enemies, and ourselves. Grace and peace, friends, and we'll see you soon.